Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 15 of Revelation chapter 19. And we're going to be looking at verse 11, Revelation 19, 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. And we've been looking at this verse in the last couple of studies. And we've seen that God is very careful to um, show that his judgment is most just. It is a righteous judgment. There is nothing wrong about it. There, There is nothing unfair about the judgment of God. As the Lord has determined to bring to pass a, a day of spiritual judgment, a prolonged period of time in which he is not saving anyone at all in the world. And, and he is counting that for punishment against the unsaved inhabitants of the earth. Well, who is man that he can argue against God? Who is man that he can find fault uh, with God's penalty? God is the judge. God is the determiner of what is justice and and what is satisfying to the law's demands. It's not man. We're not uh, the determiners. That would be like the, the, the criminal who goes before a judge and uh, he doesn't like the sentence that has been passed down upon him. And he starts arguing with the judge and calling the judge unfair because the judge has sentenced him in a certain way. Well, obviously, who's the criminal to talk? He's the guilty one. He's the one that has come before the law due to his transgression and breaking of it. And and the judge has rightly looked at his case and found him guilty and and pronounces the sentence and the the criminal uh, of course, doesn't like it. The criminal rarely, if ever, likes the sentence that a judge passes upon him. And that's how it is with mankind. When people hear God has shut the door of heaven, he's ended his salvation program and is no longer saving people, well, they, they want to justify themselves. They want to argue with the judge and, and they want to find fault some mistake or error in the sentence. And so they look closely to try to find an area that they can accuse and and charge God with wrongdoing. And yet there is none. It is a righteous judgment of God. Just like when God brought judgment on the churches and congregations during the Great Tribulation period, for 23 years. He shut the door of heaven. He ended his salvation program. And people within the churches and congregations, whole families, in in many cases, 
uh, uh, children born into the church during that 23-year period could never become saved while a part of the church. And and their parents kept them there, and, and the children resided within the corporate body, within the churches and congregations. Uh, some children born into the church uh, over that 23 years from 1988 to 2011 died at the age of two or the age of five or the age of ten, never leaving the church. And others just grew up within the church and stayed in the church, never venturing out of the church itself. But it was outside the church in the world during the second part of the Great Tribulation, the last about 17 years from 1994 until May 21, 2011, that God was saving in and sending forth the latter rain to evangelize the earth to save that great multitude. And, and no matter how you um, want to look at it, the fact is the Holy Spirit was not in the midst of the congregations. No one, therefore, could have become saved while a part of a church, while in the church. And, and that applies to children. That applies to toddlers and newborns and, and babies in the womb who were a part of the church. It's why God says in uh, Matthew 24, Woe unto them that give suck in those days, because it was such um, a sorrowful thing. It, it, it was such a pitiful thing that these poor children were in the the place where God's Spirit was not operating to save. And it was only if the parents came out or if the children left somehow for some reason that that they would then be outside of the church and, and God's Spirit could work to save. And God is a just judge. Mankind is a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All, therefore, are guilty and were born, conceived in sin, were were conceived guilty because you can't bring a clean from an unclean. And so if two parents get together, that's two unclean, spiritually speaking, that conceive a child. And that child is born unclean in sin, as King David is moved to write in Psalm 51. And and then the child is born speaking lies, the Bible says, because they're born in a rebellious state against God. They're born as a rebel. And just as when two snakes get together and a snake is born, the, the little baby snake is a snake. And when two sinners get together and have a child, the little baby is a sinner. That's how God views mankind. And God had a program to evangelize the world to save his elect people only. That's it. It, it was never a program 
to comfort all of the unsaved, the, the non-elect, uh, to offer some kind of psychological well-being to them that, that they could, uh, comfortably in, in a relaxed kind of a way and go about their sinful pursuits knowing that it's always the day of salvation whenever they uh, are interested in going to God about that matter. Isn't that a comforting thing for the sinners of the world? And God never was concerned with that. He never had in mind his gospel as a psychological tool so that man could... Um, have a safety net of some kind whenever he tired of committing iniquity. God had a plan to save his elect. He carried out that plan over the course of human history, down through time. He, he saved few in the Old Testament. He saved more during the church age. He saved a great multitude during the second part of the Great Tribulation, saving the best for last, and then he completed his salvation program and brought judgment on all the living sinners, everyone who is alive and heard the worldwide proclamation. Judgment Day was approaching, and and there was a great need to go to God and beseech him for mercy before that day arrived. Yes, he judged all them, but also all those born thereafter, after the door is shut, God likewise sees sinners that are born. He sees those conceived in sin, born speaking lies, and and they're all rebels in his sight. And, and so the judgment sits upon all mankind, all of the unsaved inhabitants of the earth. It's a righteous judgment of God against sin, against those that have rebelled against him, and, and they have no savior. That is the judgment that God has brought upon the world. And, and so he says, in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Now, uh, God here is revealing that Judgment Day is a time of war. It's a, a battle. The, the Greek word translated as war is also translated as battle. For instance, in Revelation chapter 16, it says in verse 14, for they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle, and that's the same word, to the war of that great day of God Almighty. Now, this is the same battle that we read of in Revelation 20. It says in verses 7 and 8 of Revelation chapter 20, And when the thousand years are expired... That is, when the church age is over, as the thousand years is a figure to represent the 1955 years of the church age, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and the great tribulation will begin, is what that is saying. And then in verse 8, And shall go out to deceive the nations, 
which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So Satan is loosed. He begins to have rule over the nations and over the church in an unprecedented manner. And in this, he is gathering together his forces for the battle that is coming. He, uh, But actually, there's already been a battle. Now, when the Bible speaks of a battle or a war, there are a few possibilities that that could be in view. And it's the context that determines which battle and which war God is speaking of. For instance, in Revelation chapter 12, if we go back to chapter 12, it says in verse 7, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels. And this war is taking place at the time of the cross. Michael is another name for Christ. And when the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross, it was a death blow in the battle against Satan. And Satan was judged and cast out of heaven. He was brought into the condition of hell. He was bound for a thousand years in the bottomless pit. And and uh, he he could not stop God's plan to uh, evangelize the world through the churches and and bring about the church age. And so that means there was a battle, there was warfare in 33 AD. And there was also a battle throughout the whole period of the church age, almost 2,000 years. In verse 17 of Revelation 12, It says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The context here would show that it's after there was that war in heaven, and Satan was cast down to the earth, that he then was wroth with the woman, who brought forth the man-child, Jesus, and the woman is the body of believers, and he made war uh, with the remnant of her seed. That would be the elect that were located in the churches uh, of the world for the many centuries of the church age. Satan was doing battle. There was constant warfare. The battle was raging when when the forces of the Lord Jesus Christ, remember in Revelation 6, We read of Christ on a white horse going forth uh, to conquer and conquering. And and that's the sending forth of the gospel into the world. And then Satan pictured as the rider on the red horse going to take peace away from the earth. Christ sows the seed. Satan comes to snatch it away. Christ comes to uh, deliver his elect out of the, the kingdom of darkness Satan does everything in his power to prevent it, to fight against the gospel, because it was the gospel, the true word of God, that delivered souls. And so he attempted to pervert the gospel, 
change it into something else. He attempted to turn churches that were faithful to unfaithful, and and that was the battleground for 1955 years. And certain churches fell and became synagogues of Satan. Other churches remain reasonably faithful. But Christ accomplished his purpose in saving the first fruits that the Bible identifies as the 144,000. And then came the end of the church age and the end of that particular battle and the beginning of another battle. As we read in Revelation 11, in verse 7, it's here speaking of the two witnesses. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. The beast is Satan and he's ascending out of the bottomless pit where that earlier battle at the cross when he did war with Michael and his angels, he had suffered a death blow. He was bound for the thousand years. But now it's as though the battle landscape is changing and he is ascending. He's coming up out of the bottomless pit to make war against the two witnesses and shall overcome them and kill them. So now who wins the battle? Well, this is the beginning of the judgment on the churches the beginning of the Great Tribulation. It's the end of the church age. Satan is now winning the battle. He, it appears, has won. In Revelation 13, it says in verse 7, and again, the beast is in view, another name for Satan, and was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Again, the beast makes war with the saints and overcomes them. Now, this is not the cross. It's not the church age. It's the end of the church age, the time when Satan finally, uh, it appears, has won the war. His deadly wound is healed. And all the world wonders after the beast. It's the time uh, after 1988 until 2011, that 23-year Great Tribulation period. The world is rejoicing that the two witnesses, the witness of God's word within the church, is dead. And they are making merry. uh, And iniquity is now abounding in the world. Churches are are completely unfaithful and apostate. Satan has taken his seat as the man of sin to rule in the congregations because he won the war. He won the battle. At the beginning of Judgment Day, as judgment begins at the house of God, according to 1 Peter 4.17, it certainly looks as if Satan has won The final battle, but it's not the final battle. No, God has one more battle in mind, 
and that will be at the end of the Great Tribulation. It will come at the end of the latter rain, the end of God's salvation program uh, to uh, complete saving all those whose names were in the Lamb's Book of Life. And, and so we read in Revelation 17 about that final battle, as it says in verse 14, and uh, we would have to read the previous verses, which we don't have time for, that shows that it's, again, Satan who has been victorious during the Great Tribulation. But now, in Revelation 17, verse 14, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Well, there it is. Now, it's the end of the Great Tribulation. It's Judgment Day, and the Lamb is doing battle. Satan is uh, daring to rise up against Christ himself and making war with Christ. And the Lamb, of course, overcomes them. Satan and his forces, Gog and Magog, are defeated. That Satan is deposed. All the corporate church is bundled as a tear at the beginning of the day of judgment and cast into the fire, leaving only a remnant of the world, the unsaved outside of the churches, uh, to be destroyed over the course of the prolonged day of judgment, or at least for that to become known. And, and, and so the final battle is, um, raging or, or took place on May 21, 2011. And the effects of that battle are still being carried out into the prolonged period of judgment day. Now notice it said that he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. And of course, that can only refer to the elect. Many are called, including the elect. Few are chosen, and they are the faithful ones because Christ is their faith, their saving faith, and they are with him in the battle. And we'll see that um, even... Uh, in greater detail as we continue in Revelation 19. But going back to Revelation chapter 9, remember the locusts as as they came into view once the sun and air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit and the locusts came out of the smoke at, at the beginning of Judgment Day. And and that is the time when Satan and his forces are defeated. It's another confirmation. The locusts, uh, who are uh, the ones that are victorious in Revelation 9, uh, have nothing to do with Satan and, and false prophets or anything like that. Get that out of your mind if you're, you're thinking that way. They are the saints. They are the ones with the Lamb, the called, the chosen, the faithful. And it says in uh, Revelation 9, verse 5, And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months, 
and their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And then in verse 7, And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men, and they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions, and they had breastplates, breastplates as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. There is the saints, typified by the locusts, and there is Christ, the king over them, Abaddon, or Apollyon, which means destruction. It is the time for God to destroy the rebels, and so he takes upon himself the name Abaddon, destruction. It, it is Christ ruling with a rod of iron, not for the benefit of men, but to destroy men. And the locusts are uh, said to be like those that are running to battle, because it is the day of wrath, the day of the final war between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Now this, uh, of course, in Revelation 9, it's um, commentary on Joel chapter 2. In Joel 2 is also describing Judgment Day and and speaking of uh, God's army who are the elect. God describes them this way in Joel 2, beginning in verse 4. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, and as horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap, like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble, as a strong people set in battle array. Before their face the people shall be much pained. All faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war. And they shall march everyone on his ways, and they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk everyone in his path. And when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. They shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb up upon the houses. They shall enter in at the windows like a thief. The earth shall quake before them. The heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark. And the stars shall withdraw their shining. And Jehovah shall utter his voice before his army. For his camp is very great. For he is strong that executeth his word. And there God is before his army. It is the lamb and the the called and the chosen and the faithful. It is Christ and ten thousands of his saints. It is the Lord Jesus, the word of God, seated upon a white horse and all the armies of heaven 
following him on their white horses. It is the locusts that have a king over them whose name is Abaddon, destruction. In so many places, God teaches the same truth. Judgment Day is a war, and God wins the war, and his people are with him. Know ye not that ye shall judge the world? God uh, asked the question in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and in all these verses, uh, he, he provides the answer that yes, the people of God are active, involved with Christ in the day of battle. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.